You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. You all here this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Greg, one of the pastors here, and uh, we'll be continuing through our sermon series through First and Peter, which we've titled "Living Hope." And um, last week we transitioned as we were going through First Peter. We kind of transitioned from talking about who we are as Christians inwardly, that is, as uh, individuals and as the church, and we kind of transitioned from there to talking about um, who we are as Christians outwardly. Right. Uh, That is in the world in relation to unbelievers uh, and in a way that will bring glory to God. And so today we're going to be we're going to be building off of that conversation on that topic as we talk about how we're to respond to those who are in worldly or earthly authority over us. Um, In other words, how are we supposed to treat and interact with people such as our bosses or our teachers or our mayor or our government representatives or even our prime minister? How are we as Christians supposed to respond and, and react to them? And obviously, this is a loaded topic, right? So, uh, you know, that could easily get lost on many bunny trails and what-ifs type of scenarios about Hitler and stuff like that. Um, and we don't really have time for that this morning, <laughs> okay? So hopefully this sermon, though, or, or better yet, um, this passage from God's Word will be a foundation for us as Christians in regards to, to being able to 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 continue this conversation of how we as Christians can and should carry and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ living hope to the world uh, as in the way that we interact with earthly authority. So this is going to be fun, hopefully. Uh, turn with me then to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 13 and going to 25. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. Again, this is the Apostle Peter talking to Christians. And he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, and servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a, 
What an honor it is to come before you this morning, to stand in your presence among other believers, Lord God. And, and, and we come here this morning to, to honor you and, and glorify your name, Lord God. And so even as we, as we go through your word, Lord God, let it be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord. And I pray that, that anything of me would just, just fall away, Lord God, and that, that, um, you would, that your Holy Spirit would just open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning, Lord. Oh, yeah, we just thank you so much, Lord God, and, and, and especially for the reminder uh, that, that as Christians, we're, we're not called to just be saved and go to heaven, Lord God, but we're, but we're saved to, to live for you on this earth and to proclaim your name, Lord God. And so just as, as we go through this passage this morning, um, help us to know um, in, a, in a better way and in a more clear way of what that looks like, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Tax season is upon us. We get to fill out our tax returns. We get to pay more taxes. And all God's people said. <laughs> Lackluster amens and a lot of boos. I'm not surprised. Unless you're an accountant or something. Maybe uh, no nobody likes nobody likes doing oh yeah nobody likes doing their taxes unless you're a weird accountant or something I'm just kidding <laughs> some of us might get a reimbursement this year we like reimbursements right um, but no one really likes filing their tax return I don't think or, or paying taxes especially this new carbon tax right even if we agree with it no one really likes to give up their hard-earned money to, to a government that we may or may not agree with, who may or may not do the right thing with our money, right? We don't like doing that. But we do pay taxes to our government, right? And we'll keep doing it. And as, and as Christians, we don't resist doing it, right? As Christians, we pay our taxes. But why? why? Why as Christians would we do that? Why don't we resist? Because if we think about it, haven't we been freed from the power of this world? Right? Aren't we under a different authority? Aren't we, aren't we exiles and sojourners here? Don't we serve a greater God than any ruler that, that would exert their power over us via a democratic vote? Right? Wouldn't it make more sense then, because of our freedom in Christ, because of our citizenship and loyalty to heaven, because there are no other gods before us, to not bow down and submit to our government in this way? Wouldn't, wouldn't that make more sense? Well, according to our passage... Peter says no. And the, and the Apostle Paul in Romans also says no. And Jesus himself also says no. He says don't resist. In fact, on the very subject of paying taxes, Jesus in Matthew 22, he, he points to a coin. And, and as he responds to a group of Pharisees, they were trying to get him to speak against the crown. So they're like, well, what do you think about paying taxes? So he points to this coin and he says to them in Matthew 22, 20 to 21, he says, whose likeness? An inscription is this, pointing at the coin. And, and they said, Caesar's, because his face is on the coin, right? Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. In case you didn't get that, Jesus is telling them that the right and honorable thing to do is to pay their taxes. And to not just pay them, but to pay them with integrity. Give to Caesar with Caesar's. In other words, Jesus is telling us to be subject to, or that is to submit, to Caesar. 
He's saying, submit to Caesar. And in our case, then, to submit to Mayor Spearman or Rachel Notley or Justin Trudeau and ultimately the Queen, I guess, if that still matters. (laughs) And for Americans, yes, to submit to Donald Trump. And at the mention of one or more of those names, maybe it caused you to throw up a little bit in your mouth. (laughs) That's perfectly natural. Or maybe the names cause you to rejoice. Who knows? That, that, and that isn't even the point. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you agree or if you disagree with those who are an earthly authority over you. Peter tells us in verses 13 to 14 that as Christians, we're to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So whether it's police officers or teachers or parents or coaches or MPs or judges, be subject to every human institution over us, right? That means honor them. That means respect them and their rules and their laws and their decisions. That means pray for them. That means serve them selflessly. That's That's pretty heavy, right? That's not an easy thing to do, especially if you disagree. But before we go any further on this topic, then, I want to point out that the Apostle Peter is writing this letter to Christians at a time when an emperor named Nero was most likely ruling the Roman Empire. An emperor Nero, like many emperors before and after him, was a tyrannical leader especially when it came to the treatment of all these new Christians that were spreading throughout the land. And he didn't like that very much. And as his Wikipedia page says, which was sourced, yeah, it's Wikipedia, we, can't, we can trust it. But it was actually sourced from book 15 of the Annals, written by first century historian Senator Tacitus. So it's real. You can trust it. Maybe. Nero... It says, it says in the annals, it says, Nero was rumored to have had captured Christians, dipped in oil, and set on fire in his garden at night as a source of light. Yikes. So whether or not that's true, and it probably is, I don't know why they make that up, but what is true for sure is that he disliked and persecuted Christians. And yet Peter's telling these same Christians who are under the very real threat of becoming Nero's patio lanterns. Too soon? I don't know. Um, He's instructing them very clearly, even though they're under the threat of death, he's instructing them very clearly to submit to the emperor and to any other earthly ruler and human institution they find themselves subject to. So we see the, 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 the intensity of this, this, this calling, right? Uh, and of course, I think our natural reaction in those situations would be to rebel against Nero, right? To, to fight back. And any, any action movie that we see, it's like if some injustice happens and then we fight back and, 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 you know, and we dip him in oil and start him on fire and see how, see how he feels. And we're like, yes. But no, Peter says, be subject to him. That's the foundational theme of our passage this morning and actually is a theme for the next uh, couple of passages that we're going to be going through in the next couple of weeks as well. A subject that, that I'll admit isn't an easy pill to swallow or follow through with, 
but one that our culture, and, and, and it's also one that our culture defines as weakness, right? It's a, it's a topic of submission. Submission. Again, a scary word if misunderstood or misapplied. Absolutely. But if understood properly and lived out properly, it's actually a powerful and key characteristic of the Christian life, of who we're called to be. And so for the rest of the message then, and in order to hopefully bring more clarity and purpose to this, I want to talk about three things specifically when it comes to to this topic. Number one, just a general idea of, we're going to talk about a general idea of what biblical submission is. And number two, we're going to talk about why we're called as Christians to submit to earthly authority. And number three, we're going to talk about circumstances in which we should actually resist earthly authority. Um, because there are some circumstances. Um, so, water first. Sorry, let's talk about what biblical submission is. Number one, what's, what's biblical submission? Well, first of all, one of the greatest differences between biblical submission and the way we often viewed it in our culture is that in Christ, it's actually, it's actually a choice, right? It's, or better yet, it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart, one that's rooted in freedom and not in slavery. And I say that because quite often when we think of submission, we view it negatively or begrudgingly with this picture in our, our mind of like forced or compulsory surrender, right? Where, where one has to obey and follow or else, or else we have to face the penalty of some sort of punishment or the possibility of losing a reward or something. So we, so we have to submit, right? Which is often why when the topic comes up, we often get the picture in our head of scenarios like slavery or, or domineering abusive husbands and stuff like that. Um, things that are definitely not good, right? And definitely things that the Bible does not um, agree with, right? So, 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 but still, when we hear the word submission, we get our backs up, right? Kind of defensive against the word, but, but again, we have to realize that whether, whether we like it or not, no one is free from being submissive, right? We're all under some sort of compulsory submission, pretty much at all times, right? We're all being submissive in some form or another. We're not freed from this. Even living in Canada, right? Country of freedom. Even living in Canada, we're forced to submit and obey to the law here, right? We submit to the speed limits when we're driving, right? Right? No one ever speeds. As I mentioned earlier, we, we pay our taxes, right? We don't, we don't steal or, or murder or, or spray paint graffiti on buildings, right? All that kind of stuff, because if we do, we have to face the consequence then, right? Uh, we'll get pulled over by the police or we get arrested, right? Or whatever, right? So we submit to the law in order to avoid punishment. So we're under submission, right? But the very fact that I think that we have laws and subsequently police officers and a legal system to enforce those laws, I think, gives us a pretty big clue as to our nature as humans to want to resist submission, though, right? And, and resist authority. Because, you know, if most of us are honest, if we don't think the police are looking, we speed. That's a natural human nature to resist submission, resist authority, in favor of our independence, in favor of our self-interest, right? And, and we can take that truth all the way back to the original sin, all the way back to Adam and Eve who rebelled against God and their selfishness and their pride, right? In their own self-interest, 
They rebelled against God. So submission in that sense, you know, it has to be coerced. It has to be forced. It has to be controlled. But unlike being under a law or being coerced to submit as sinners need to be, biblical submission is the opposite. It's a choice of the person who's submitting. It's not the choice of the person you're submitting to. It's the choice of the person who's submitting. It's an attitude of the heart. It's a voluntary position of humility. Christians get on their knees and submit because they desire to. We worship and obey God. We humbly and selflessly serve others, not because we have to do it or or because we'll lose favor if we don't. We do it because, motivated in the freedom and the hope that we've been given in Christ, we want to. We want to submit and serve. Even if it means we have to endure suffering or persecution to make it happen. In other words, biblical submission, what they're talking about here, is a voluntary willingness to lay down our lives for others. And it's actually the very essence and foundation of what Jesus tells us is true Christian leadership and greatness in the kingdom of God. Mark ten forty three to 45, Jesus says to his disciples who are arguing about who's the greatest, he says, but it shall not be so among you, you shall not lord over each other, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's submission. That's biblical submission. So now that we hopefully understand and have a general idea of the type of submission that we're called into as Christians, let's talk about why Peter would suggest uh, that we're called to have this attitude even towards worldly authorities and institutions that might lord over us. Right? So number, so number two, why, why submit to earthly authorities? Peter actually gives us a number of reasons as to why. I'm just going to sum them up into four main points. So the first one is we submit to earthly authorities in order to honor God. In order to honor God. First Peter 2.13 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, supreme, and so on. Emphasis here on the, on the phrase, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Which means that we do this for God. We don't do it for them. We do it for God. When we allow ourselves to be subject to human authority, like like presidents and queens or to human institutions, like bosses or parents, it's worship. It's worship to God. We're honoring and glorifying God in our posture of humility. Verse 19 even says that to submit even in suffering is a gracious thing in the sight of God, a commendable thing in the sight of God. So God is pleased when we do this. On the other hand, when we rebel against authority, we're actually dishonoring God. Like when, when Audrey, my wife, and she gets a speeding ticket in the mail. I, I calmly sit her down, and I open up First Peter 2. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But seriously, though, God is pleased and we submit to earthly authorities. Which brings us to the second reason we submit. And that's we submit to earthly authority because God established them. 
God established them. Verse 14, it says, Or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Key phrase there, sent by him. The emperors and governors, the positions of authority are sent by God. Uh, Romans 13.1 says it like this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. God created and designed positions of human authority, and he set them in place over us with a purpose, to keep the peace. That's what they're supposed to do, to keep the peace, to demand and fulfill justice, to uphold and reward those who do good. So when we submit to authority then, to earthly authority, we're recognizing and we're trusting in God's design. We're trusting in God's will. When we don't, we're choosing to not trust in God. And it's true, and, and as Peter mentions also in verse 18, 18 as well, right, that some people in these positions of authority simply aren't good. They, they, they abuse their positions of authority, right? They're not just. But regardless of who's in the position, we're called to submit, we're called to respect. And we can do that because our trust is not in them, but it's in God, Right? God is more powerful than any earthly authority. God is over any earthly authority. And so we can trust in God. So does that mean we have to agree with or blindly follow these leaders without question? Or or does that mean that by being subject to them, it means we're condoning their actions? Absolutely not. And I'll get to that in a bit. But we do have to honor them and respect them. Number three, we submit... Third reason we submit, we submit to earthly authority because it silences the naysayers, right? Verses 15 to 16. It says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So as I mentioned last week, Many unbelievers are starting to not only deny God, but also turning against Christians. Right? Many of them outright hate Christianity, and a lot of those who hate Christianity don't even know what Christianity is while they're hating it. Um, but when we model humility, and when we, and when we honor and respect others, especially uh, earthly authority in the public eye, when we do that in public, we prove them wrong. Right? We prove them wrong, and we show them who we truly are, and subsequently who our God is. Right? Let's be honest, though. Right? It's tempting, again, to, to respond with aggression or anger and to hate those who make fun of our beliefs right? or deny that our God exists. And we get caught up in the Facebook posts and arguing about God like, oh, you called me an idiot. Well, you're an idiot for not believing in God. Oh, intelligent design. Right? We get on these discussions. Right? But when we choose instead to honor. <laughs> I, got, I got Cheryl going. But when we choose instead to honor and serve them despite their ignorance and and beliefs, right? Despite their attempts to shut us up, despite their attempts to slander us, what we do is we open their eyes to the fact that as servants of God, we've been been set free from those sinful ways. 
right? That rebellion, that evil, that, that hate, that slander, that those are no, no longer part of who we are. Instead, we're showing them that even though they're against us, we're for them. That's huge. Even though they're against us, we're for them. And therefore, we prove to them that our faith is legit and that the gospel is beautiful, that it's selfless, and that it truly is life-changing. And most of all, we show them that we don't have to defend ourselves or or pursue our own self-interest because we truly have a Savior that's already done that for us. So when we live lives of loving and selfless humility, praying for and lifting up our leaders, all of a sudden their accusations against us just just fall to the wayside, right? They, They have no grounds for slander against us. Even if they want to hate us, they won't be able to. That's why Peter's reminding us here again that it's not retaliation or rebellion that wins the battle for our faith. That would just prove them right. That would just feed their slander. But rather, it's our submissive posture towards them that will actually silence them. Or as it says in Romans 12, 19 to 21, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when we model submissiveness and honor, we're actually heaping burning coals on their heads. Right? We're killing them with kindness, so to speak. Maybe even turning them to repentance. Which brings us to the fourth point. Number four, we submit to earthly authorities because it reflects Christ. And, and this is what we're called to do, right? Reflect Christ. Proclaim his name. Proclaim his gospel. So First Peter 2, 18 to 22. Let's read that, that full part again. Or to 23, actually. So servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to do this, you have been called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So Jesus Christ not only saved us through his humble death at the cross, but in doing so, he also gave us the perfect example of who we're called to be as his followers. In fact, Jesus had plenty of opportunity to lash out and rebel against his accusers. Plenty of opportunity. His whole ministry, people are always attacking him. He had plenty of opportunity to, to lash out and rebel, especially against those in authority, right? Against the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and, and Pontius Pilate, to name a few, right? Because in their presence, he was, he was mocked, and he was, and he was beaten, and he was wrongfully accused, And yet, instead of turning against them, instead of defending himself, instead of using his his heavenly authority and calling down an army of angels to fight for him, which he could have done, he, he he told Pontius Pilate that he could easily do that. 
Instead of threatening them or lying or getting out of it or fighting back, he endured all these things, all these sorrows. Even more, he chose to humbly endure all these unjust sorrows and accusations and punishments, even to death on the cross, in order to save us from our sin, in order to reconcile us with God. And what made him do that? How, how, how did he endure all those things? By trusting in the one who judges rightly. Right? He trusted God. He trusted God's will. And so he was able to endure suffering. But when it comes to suffering, like I said before, I think that's when many of us would, would draw the line. Right? That would be the point we'd stop submitting and we start feeling like, like we're justified. We have the right in that moment to start fighting back. We're starting to get violent. I'm going to defend myself. And I'm actually going to be talking about in a bit, you know, how there are actually exceptions for us and reasons for us to oppose earthly authority and to stand our ground. But in this case, when it comes to suffering, we have to recognize that suffering isn't one of those reasons to oppose. Even suffering unjustly doesn't excuse us from our calling to be subject to authority. In fact, as Peter points out, it's actually expected. So yes, we're called to model even Christ's suffering, if need be. We don't have to look for it or search out for it or hope that, you know, but we're called to model Christ's suffering if need be. Because in doing so, we're showing the world the reality of the gospel. We're displaying what Jesus did for us. So we don't retaliate or revile or slander in return. We submit. And some of us might have a hard time with that. But for me in particular, the challenging concept here that I struggle with personally is, is, is dealing with the false and unjust accusations because I can't I can't handle unjust accusations right if someone accuses me of something something false I start to get really defensive if you've ever seen me yell at a referee in soccer you'd know I get years ago I'm better now no yeah Henry's like oh yeah right I play soccer with him like, I get explosively defensive, so much so that I actually start to look guilty, um, which isn't a good thing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm confessing my sin to you right now. That's, it's not a good thing. I get, I get explosively defensive. Um, and so this is a good and humble reminder for me to trust in the one who judges rightly in those situations, right? To remember that God knows the truth. He knows my heart. And what he knows is all that, is all that matters, and in that mindset, I can focus on worshiping him, submitting to earthly authorities, rather than trying to defend myself, rather than trying to lash out. So Jesus shows us then that it doesn't matter what people are accusing us of. It doesn't matter what kind of suffering or persecution they throw at us. It doesn't matter if those in authority over us are just or unjust. It doesn't change our posture. Either way, we're called and we're, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit to be unshakable in our worship to God in this way. And in our role as Christ's image bearers, we're called to submit 
for his sake, for his glory, because he did it for us. And again, it's not an easy calling, but we can be unshakable in it. Because again, it's not the earthly authorities that we're submitting ourselves to that we have faith in, right? That we, that we have trust in, but rather the one who judges rightly. We have faith in our God. We submit and, and we honor others because above them, we submit and honor and trust in, in God. But since we're on the subject, let's talk about three guys now from the Old Testament who also had faith in God, but that faith actually caused them to oppose earthly authority. And you might recognize their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And everyone's thinking of the veggie tales. It was more intense than that, I promise you. Anyways, these guys, just like the prophet Daniel, these, these three men were also Jewish uh, servants and advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. And I spelled that right the first time, by the way, King Nebuchadnezzar. Try that. Um, no spell check or anything. Um, anyways, yeah. Um, anyways, King Nebuchadnezzar ruled over Babylon at the time of Israel's captivity there. And, and if you read their story in the book of Daniel, you'll find that just as God commanded them to do, they submitted to the king. They submitted to the king, right? They were subject to the king, um, even though they were prisoners of war. Even though they were basically slaves, they didn't, and they were forced, you know, to serve him. They didn't resist his authority over them. And instead, they helped him. Even though they might have probably disagreed with him, right? They served him, even though he served false gods. And they followed and obeyed the rules of Babylon. So at this point... It's pretty cool to see that they're perfect examples of what we've been talking about, right? They're perfect examples of what it looks like to honor God by submitting to those in authority. But then something happened. One moment in particular, King Nebuchadnezzar decided to build a statue for himself and decreed that everyone must bow down before it. And not just to honor it, but to worship it as an idol as a god because king nebuchadnezzar in his pride started to see himself as a god which a lot of kings did back then but because these three men believed in the one true god and believed that there are no other gods before him they refused to do this at that moment they refused to submit to the king and bow down to his statue so what does this tell us It tells us that there are definite exceptions in our calling to submit to earthly authorities and institutions, right? And in this case, in particular, we're to submit to them unless it causes us to personally sin. That's when we draw the line. We don't draw the line at suffering or persecution. We draw the line if if it's going to cause us to sin against God. And there's also another reason for us to oppose authority And that's if it prevents us from spreading the gospel or proclaiming the word of God. For example, in the book of Acts, we see Peter and John. They're they're standing, arrested and accused in front of the Sanhedrin. Again, they're the religious rulers of the time, right? And then they're beaten for preaching the gospel. And then they're told, of course, don't talk about Jesus again. Don't mention his name again. But this is how they respond 
Acts 4, 19 to 20, it says, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So we can see that Peter and John are aware of the conflict they're facing between honoring those in authority versus spreading the gospel. Right? But in this situation, they choose the latter. They choose to honor God in spreading the gospel. And so, yes, there there are situations and circumstances that we need to, 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 where we actually need to oppose earthly authority, specifically if we're commanded to sin or if we're told not to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we draw the line, right? That's where we oppose. But in the same vein, though, neither do we have to, as Christians, blindly agree with those in power either. Especially in Canada, you know, when it comes to our government, we don't have to agree with everything. Right? We follow the laws and, and, and we honor and respect those in authority. But we have perfectly legal ways here to, to encourage policy change and fight injustices by our government that we can and should absolutely take part in when it comes to upholding justice and peace in our country. We just have to make sure that we're actually doing it in a way that shows honor and respect because we often fail in that regard, right? We have to make sure that we're, we're doing it without slandering or making fun of our leaders, or, or hate-mongering, or breaking the law. Because again, to do that is to misrepresent and then dishonor God. And one more final point. We can see also with stories of, of Daniel and Joseph in the Bible, right? That, among others, that quite often, it's when, it's when we honor and, and submit to those in power over us, that we actually become positioned to advise and become trusted subjects to our leaders. Able to sway opinion. Able at that point to steer our leaders into making righteous decisions. Right? But on the other hand, if we're just slandering them and, and making fun of them and, and accusing them, and they're not going to listen to what we have to say. So we submit. Above all, though, when it comes to submitting, we have to keep verse 17 in the forefront of our minds so let's read that it says honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor this isn't a summary verse peter's not just summarizing what he just has been talking about i think we're prone to read it as that but rather as uh wayne theologian wayne grudem points out in his commentary this verse is actually more likely four separate commands. And they, and they show us the importance and priority of our calling, right? It's a reminder of who we're to serve most of all and above all. So let me just read what... Oh, yeah, so let me just read what Grudem states here. He says, While positively affirming the obligation to honor the emperor, he also subtly implies that contrary to the claims of Roman emperors to be divine... The emperor was by no means equal to God or worthy of the fear due to God alone. Christians have obligations to the state, but their obligations to God and to the brotherhood of believers are higher. Right, so if we, if we read through that verse, we can see that, that he puts honor everyone and honor the emperor. He puts that on the same level, right? With using the word honor. Honor everyone, honor the emperor. He doesn't put the emperor higher than everyone. It's the same. But then, a little bit higher than that, he says, love the brotherhood. But then, higher than that, fear God. 
That's our standard. That's first of all. Fear God. So yes, we're to submit to, to and, and honor earthly authority, but we don't worship or fear them. Right? We, we do that for the glory of God and never at the expense of his glory or at the expense of the church. So as Christians... Hopefully we can continue this conversation. Hopefully this will be a foundation to, to who we're called to be and how we're called to submit in the world. And, and, and from here then, let's, let's remember to go out in the world in the freedom we've been given in Christ and choose that attitude. Choose that attitude of humility and submission to our earthly authorities. As long as it doesn't cause us to, to sin or as long as it doesn't quench the gospel, right? Let's remember to honor and worship our God by obediently listening to our coaches and our teachers, by working with integrity and commitment for our bosses, by obeying the laws of our country, right? by, by consistently praying for our leaders, by honoring our mothers and fathers, and by refusing to slander or lash out against any of them, even if they're doing it to us. Let's choose that attitude of submission so that we can honor and worship God and show the world who our God is. Let's pray. Lord God, it's a challenging word this morning. And everything here is easier said than done, Lord God. But I pray that you would give us the courage and the faith to boldly go out into the world and honor you and worship you and trust you as we submit to earthly authority, Lord God. As Christians, let us be an example uh, to our culture, to our society, of what that looks like, Lord God, that we can prove those who try to slander us wrong, Lord God, and that we can steer them towards you, Lord God, that we can point the world to you and, 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 and your love for us and your love for them, Lord God. The Holy Spirit, fill us, guide us into this calling, Lord God. And, and in those strange situations that, that come up where we're not sure if we should submit or, or stand our ground, Lord God, I pray that you would continually give us wisdom, Lord God, and that we would remember to do all things in love, and that we would remember, uh, most of all, to fear you, Lord, to honor you, to worship you above all. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>